1: There's a little bit of news Bruins-wise that does not involve um, Cassidy. Uh, So they signed yesterday, they signed Jesper Boquist. um, And Scott, this is another, you know, bottom, I I wouldn't even say like bottom six, like he's maybe even fringe bottom six. Um, The Bruins are able to sign him on, I believe, the league minimum, right, Scott?
0: Yeah, one year, $775,000. So, you know, it is interesting that they keep signing depth forwards, and I don't think there's any harm in it. Like, Boquist is is a younger player. He's 24, turning 25 in December. Um, He was an early second-round pick in 2017, scored in juniors um, coming up. So you're – seems to kind of – Now, Morgan Geek, I think, is a better player who's had a little more production at the NHL level. But similar idea of, like, he has a younger player who has kind of been buried, hasn't quite clicked where he was. Let's bring him in and see if maybe we can, you know, uncover a little bit more, in this case, you know, offensive potential, that he's maybe flashed in the past but hasn't really come through yet. Um, He does have a pretty good shot. He's had a pretty high shooting percentage. The last couple of years doesn't take a lot of shots, so that's obviously something you'd like to see him do more. Um, actually had the best 5-on-5 five five shooting percentage on the Devils last season. Had pretty good defensive metrics. Um, he came up as a center, but he's been bad on face-offs in the NHL, so...
1: Very I bad. 36%. I was looking it up yesterday. Yeah. 36% through uh, about four years. Um, not that he's played a lot of games in some of those years in some of those seasons, but um yeah, 36% face-off percentage, uh not not great in 189 games.
0: Yeah, for sure. But you know, maybe someone so I more likely see him on the wing, at least to start, and you know, maybe get him under Chris Kelly's tutelage and the faceoffs improve.
1: Oh tutelage. Um, Good job, Scott.
0: There's your there's your vocabulary word of the day. <laughs> Thank um, you. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Again, it's, it's a very low risk move. And I know, you know, some of the first reactions you see is like why does Sweeney keep signing guys to block young players coming up? And on the one hand, I get it. Like everyone wants to just see, you know, a couple open spots for some of these younger guys to compete for. On the other hand, I'll say the same thing I've said before. Like these aren't, these aren't signings that really hinder you. If, a young guy beats out Boquist for a job or Patrick Brown or AJ Greer, they're going to play. Like those are contracts that are easy to wave and either, either someone picks it up and they're gone or, you know, that someone doesn't pick them up. You send them down to Providence. Like I don't think there's much of an issue there. It's not like you can't move these cheap one-year contracts.
2: Yeah. I like, I like the addition. Honestly, I think uh, you, the way you put it, Scott, low risk, it is low risk. Uh, you know, Jesper Boquist is one of those guys that, you know, admittedly, you don't watch um, every New Jersey Devils game, but the last four or five years, it feels like the, whether the playoff, uh, the Devils were playoff bound or not. One of the big accolades people would say about them is they're up and coming and they're fast. They got great team speed. And, and, and uh, Jesper Brat was one of those guys. Jack Hughes was one of those guys. Pavel Zaka was one of those guys. Um, you know, everyone's
0: Killer, Miles Wood.
2: Miles Wood. Who uh, Brian
1: went golfing with.
2: I did actually. I forgot about that. <laughs> By the way, uh, Skate Three isn't just Jack Eichel's home rank. It was my home rank, but nobody, that's okay. I'm it, not freaking. Oh,
0: to okay. It, <laughs> just, it was sort of mine too at one point. Like, I, I definitely played in the league when I was younger, where like all of our games were there. And then we then we moved to the Merrimack Valley Conference, and we were at like all the MVC rings.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skate three was my home rank growing up; my high school high school rank. And then Nashville also had a they built a rink called Conway Arena in like 2003 or four. And then I kind of split time between the two. Regardless, um, I never got to bring the cup back, so I'll give it. <laughs> I'll, give it to I'll give it to Jack. It's okay. Um, actually, all joking aside, though, it is really cool that that the cup is going back to Skate Three. That that is really neat. Um, if you go there, if you go there to see the cup, well, it's the summertime, so I don't know if the snack bar is open, but, uh, they have phenomenal uh, pizza there.
0: They've got to have that open. Like you're going to, there's going to be like a bunch of people in there. It's open to the public. Yeah. Got to have a yeah, snack bar open. open.
2: they will be open. they will be open. Uh, shout out Alex in there. Mm-hmm. A pizza. Uh, what were we talking about guys? What was last? Oh, Chris. oh
0: yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They, the
1: devils had a lot of speed and that was,
0: yeah. Uh, Top five oh, Massachusetts ranked snack bars. Yeah, that's
1: what we were talking about.
0: <laughs> um, Jesper
2: Boquist was one of those guys. Or I used to watch the Devils, and and his speed, w- w- he was one of those guys. Like, oh, that guy's pretty quick. Now you look at his at his 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 stats over the last couple of seasons, and it, it, there's really nothing there to be seen much, um, which kind of surprises me because, again, not watching the Devils too often. When I watched him a few years ago, I thought he was one of those players that was up and coming and and could be a good player for them um so definitely has good speed i think he has good hands um he's a crafty player he hasn't put the production together at the nhl level so bridget when you when you call him a fringe would you call him a fringe middle six or fringe bottom bottom six well like
1: i would say like calling him bottom six might be generous like he might be bottom three or fringe
2: bottom three or fringe and i think I think based off of his NHL production, I think that's fair. I think the Bruins hope that maybe one of these days he can kind of evolve his game and maybe, maybe at some point become a, a middle six fixture. I don't know. I don't really know what his ceiling would be. I think that, that, that could be a fair ceiling. Whether he reaches it or not is a different question. But uh, I like the signing. It's you know it's less than a million dollars. He's a young player. and He has NHL experience, and he has a couple of tools that are pretty evident when you watch him play. He just has to put it all together, and Boston hopes that he can do that with them
1: yeah i don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to his exit interview from the devils but he talked about how the first half of the season he really did not like his game the first half of the season um he mentioned there were there were games in the playoffs that he didn't really want to talk about either um the question about him has been the consistency um Speed is one of his main attributes. I I think he's – this is something Scott and I talked about last episode when we were talking about um, rookie development camp was that some guys still need to put on a little bit of weight and muscle. I think focus could probably serve to put on a little bit of weight. It might, um, you know, help him against these NHL guys. But um, like you mentioned, he's not super young. He's 24. Um, His speed, I I don't know if, you know, if you want to compare him to anybody, but like – you know, when Lauko comes up and plays on, on the fourth line, he's kind of, they, they're kind of using him for his speed. I don't think that those two players are, are similar in their, their uh, you know, their personalities. Lauco's a little bit more of a grinder, is more like skill and speed. But um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how far up the lineup he goes. And especially when you think about it, um, where the cap situation is right now, in order for them to sign Bergeron and Krejci back, I believe they would have to waive one of the three players that Scott mentioned, uh, Brown, Boquist, or Greer.
0: Yeah, well, oh, possibly. I mean, we just don't know like what the money would be or what they'd be looking for. But, you know, you still get to re-sign Swayman and Frederick who are still mm-hmm. out there as restricted free agents. Arbitration hearings scheduled for end of july like i think frederick's august 1st and swain might be like july 30th or 31st um if they don't agree to a deal before then so right now the bruins have according to cap friendly 5.4 million dollars in cap space which i think should be enough to sign those two or like right in that area and i know one of the first like saw a couple people react to the boca signing saying like goodbye trent frederick like does this mean you know they don't think they're going to sign him and i don't think it means that at all Like, I i don't think he's a necessarily a trent frederick replacement i guess if things did fall apart with frederick and whatever some you know that does get dragged out to arbitration and he gets awarded a higher number than they anticipated then it could be some insurance for for that scenario but i still don't really see that happening like i expect I still expect them to get a deal done with Frederick. I think they still have the money sitting there for it. And you're right. Then, if Bergeron does come back, you probably have to free up some money somewhere. But I think they have some easier paths to do that now. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a big contract, assuming Bergeron, you know, is coming back cheap and not asking for like $5 million. So
1: sure would. there's no way. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. So. But, you know, I, I think Bocus, it's just it's another guy to come compete for jobs because it's like if you line it up right now and. You know, you, you could move like the wings around, but let's just say like in general, top line, Marshan Zaka, Pasternak, second line, Van Riemsdyk, Coyle. DeBras, um, I don't know why I was just blanking on that, but, you know, third line, you, you figure Frederick and Geeky are there and then there's a the competition and, you know, I don't know if Lucic can play third line anymore, but Lauko is going to battle for that spot. You know, whether it's a uh, Lysel or McLaughlin or, um, Merkelov, like those guys can all battle for a third line spot. And I think you throw Boquist into that group where it's like, if you can tap into more offense, then maybe you can battle for that spot. Or if not, all those guys are also battling for fourth line jobs and you have Patrick Brown in there and Greer and Johnny Beecher. And it's like, I just don't think it's a bad thing to have all this competition. Because again, if, if a Boquist or Patrick Brown loses out, like you can just bury those contracts. Like you can just cut those guys. So, um, yeah, there's some upside there and worst case scenario. Like I think he's perfectly fine as a fourth liner or, or extra forward or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it makes sense to me. Like it's, again, it's a very low risk move that that's a chance worth taking.
2: So at this, at this stage in the summer, uh, free agency as, as come, it's comments, it's for the most part, it's gone. Um, you know, the draft is coming and gone now we have to, 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 to wait and see if Bergeron comes back. If Bergeron doesn't come back, I just think, um, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if a hockey trade is in the future for the Bruins this summer, for for to potentially bring a center in, I, I you know, the, lo- the longer this goes, the more I just kind of feel like it's either Bergeron comes back, and every center slides down a slot, or or they're gonna run out with Coil and, and Zaka, and um, you know, not only is that not ideal for for up the middle, but when you have James Van Riemsdyk as your second line left wing, I also think you're lacking depth in the wings too. So it's not just center. So you know, I think. If Bergeron comes back, it solves a lot of problems, but I still, either way, I mean, they, they, they seem to be, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, Pertuzzi's gone, Taylor Hall's gone, um, you know, that, that that they're a little bit short on the left side. So, you know, this 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 forward grouping, and it's no secret, like the goaltending's fine, the defense is great. I mean, no, I would say the goaltending is great, uh, at least in the regular season. The goaltending situation is great, the defense is great. But up, up front, though, it's not just center ice that they're lacking right now. Even if Bergeron comes back, they got some... I mean, I know we all knew this was coming, right? But it's just there's a lot to be desired for this forward group right now. And it, it just it, for me, it's one of those situations where, like, if that's the case, you really it's really you really want to see a Merkeloff or a Lysel and or, or somebody some of these younger guys and probably like now's their chance to get him in there. And I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with signing Geeky, I'm not disagreeing with signing Boquist, like no big deal. Like, honestly, those, I like those signings. I'm just saying like, this is, this is when you want to see some opportunity and, and some of these younger players take this opportunity. And, and I know that, and Scott, maybe in bridge, I don't believe you were in attendance. Maybe you are, but at uh at rookie camp or development camp uh at warrior this past week, I see some people in, in attendance that are a little bit sour on Lysel his, his, I mean, I wasn't there to really watch him, so I can't really speak to it. Um, well,
1: we can. Can we just plug our last episode because Scott spoke to Lysel and Lori. So, if if anybody wants to go back and listen to what Lysel said, he's going to be working on this off season. Um, you know, that was part of our last episode.
2: Okay, and so with that in mind, do you did you get the sense that that Lysel is is in position to? challenge for an NHL spot this season and did your eyes tell you that when you watched them I know it's still the summertime and it's still months to go but
0: yeah I mean and in myself's case it was extremely hard to judge because his entire offseason has been thrown off by the concussion he had at the end of the season and last week was really the first time he got back up to full speed and was on the ice like really doing hard drills um you know wasn't wasn't even on the ice on Monday, was no contact Tuesday, Wednesday. So you're only talking about two days that he was really up to full speed. And that's his first two days up to full speed of the summer. Whereas other guys, you know, take take their couple weeks off after the season. And then, you know, have probably been skating pretty hard for a couple weeks leading leading into development camp. Um, I still think he had some some really strong moments. Like he, his skating still especially against kind of that age, it still stands out and his offensive skill. Like you can just tell like those defensemen at that level of, you know, rookie development camp struggle to, to handle that. Now what he has to work on between now and training camp and preseason is, you know, being able to do that against NHL level players. He was pretty open about the fact that he got worn down in Providence last year. And, on the one hand, it's his first year as a pro. He turns twenty during the season, like understandable to an extent. But also, if you're talking about a guy that you're hoping makes an impact at the NHL level this year, not really ideal to hear that you know as early as late December or early, early January he was feeling burnt out. Like you know, it, and to clarify, because a couple people responded and were like. Well, he had a concussion. What do you expect? No, no. Like, burnout came long before that. We're talking midseason. The concussion wasn't until the very end of the year. So, um, yeah, he's, I think he has quite a bit of work to do in terms of endurance, strength, you know, muscle, like all of it. It's not impossible. Like, you can, you know, players can transform quite a bit over the course of a couple months. But, in terms of him, like winning an opening night roster spot, I, at this point, I feel like it's probably an uphill battle just because he had so much work to do and had his off season basically delayed, you know, a full month, almost two months. Um, but you know, we'll see, he's going to, obviously he's going to be there at training camp and playing in the preseason. So he'll have a chance to, to prove that he's ready. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where he can get to by September.
1: Yeah. And I don't know, Brian, if you had any other questions about development camp, because actually since, since you were on, uh, I'm guessing you were in New Hampshire. I was also in New Hampshire for the fourth. Um, but, uh, development camp, we had, uh, discussed some of the signings, but, did you discuss the signings with Scott before Like, Cause I missed the week before that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. We had a up.
1: Um, I actually, I actually had a question for you, Scott, about um, some of the development camp stuff. So there's a lot of hockey East guys that are, you know, that are out at camps, but there's quite a few at Bruins camp. Um, did you get a chance to look at Spedbeck from the, the Providence goalie?
0: Yes, but I will just say it's, and anyone who like works these development camps will tell you the same thing. It's extremely difficult to judge any goalie in, in, in an yeah. environment like this. Like they're just facing a million shots all day long all, during all, it's a lot of one on O's, two on O's, two on ones, like, you know, a little bit of scrimmage. I guess what I will say is the goalies look good in the scrimmage because they played three 10 minute periods of five on five. And no one scored until the final ten seconds of, of the scrimmage game. So uh goalies were were pitching shutouts in the scrimmage. Um but other than that, like I I can't pretend I have like a detailed analysis of how Phillips sp- f- sped back or any of the other goalies did, because it's just you know, it's good to have them out there on the ice. You need goalies out there, but it's it's pretty hard to like judge their games in that environment.